So today, we're going to continue our sermon series that we've been kind of going through, and we are looking at the fruit of the Spirit. So you're looking at your bulletin. Um, that's why there's like a bunch of fruit that's laid out in the word fruit. We're talking about fruit of the Spirit, which Paul, the Apostle Paul mentions to the early Christians, to the early church uh, in Galatia, uh, the early Galatian church in chapter 5, verses 22 and on. And he says that we are to bear fruit. And, and the fruit that we are to bear is our love, peace, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we've been talking about how they, the fruit of the Spirit helps us or should help us live lives that glorify God. Because that's what we're, we're created to, to shine our light, to be salt of the earth, to bear fruit. And so today I've been, um, I was given faithfulness as one of the fruit to, to preach about. And so that's what we'll be talking about today. So let me, let me pray. Father, thank you for all that you are. Thank you because you are a faithful God. And I just pray that you speak to and through me this morning. And uh, as usual, that your word uh, does, uh, does not return void. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as, I, as I'm studying and praying, preparing this sermon, I thought, what is, what is the faithfulness that God desires from us? Like, well, what is it? And so that question then became, all right, so what would be the big question that I've got to wrestle with, deal with, and study uh, in, in preparing so the question became, what does biblical faithfulness look like? So that's going to be the big question today. So um, you're going to hear it a lot of times. You might get tired of it. But what does biblical faithfulness look like? So again, in preparing, I went to the, to the lexicons and translations, and I went to the concordances and to commentaries, and obviously prayer and, and lots of thought on this. And I began thinking about that word faithfulness. Faithfulness, what? What is faithfulness? What exactly is it? So I, the, the old, the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for, for faithfulness means steadfastness, it means firmness, and it means fidelity. Okay, good, we're on the right track. Then I started thinking, well, what is the opposite of faithfulness? And I started thinking about dis, disloyal, being disloyal, about people that are wishy-washy, not firm, and people, and I started thinking about backbiting, okay? Now, if you don't know what backbiting means, it is, it's when somebody walks up to you, uh, behind you, and bites you on the back. That's backbiting, all right? It's weird, and it's inappropriate because it's like, you know what? You should bite me in my face. Like, don't, don't do that behind me. That's not cool, right? Sarah, that's not what it means. I'm just joking. Backbiting means malicious talk behind, uh, about someone who isn't there, who is not present, can't defend themselves. That's, that's what that means. Got it? Okay. So that's backbiting. And then I started thinking, as I'm preparing, I'm like, I started thinking, can you imagine if some backbiting actually meant backbiting? Right? Somebody just walks. And then I started thinking, what if I was walking down Main Street, I'm walking into, getting ready to go into Starbucks, and somebody just comes up behind me and just goes and just like takes a bite on my back. And I'm just like, what? That is weird and inappropriate. And then I started thinking about vampires. 
I love different laughs. Some people are, some people are just, I'm going to let you know that I'm laughing. Um, and then I started thinking about vampires, and I just started thinking, I'm like, wow, praise God that vampires aren't real. Right? <laughs> Thank God. So, and then I started thinking about all the vampire movies that my parents made me watch with them when I was a kid. Right? Um, I wasn't that young. I was like six. And then I started remembering about how I couldn't sleep after watching those vampire movies. And then, preparing the sermon, I couldn't sleep thinking about vampires. Not that I was scared. But I want to let that be known. Um, and then I started preaching this sermon this morning, about five minutes ago. And I started thinking about how people are wondering, where is he going with this? And then Roselle laughed. And then everyone laughed. Everyone laughed. <laughs> and, then, and then Mike Veach got up in the middle of the sermon and wrote me a check for $5,000 just because. He said, like, here's 5000 bucks. But before that, he said, where is this going? <laughs> and then I started wondering, how did I get so distracted that I started talking about faithfulness, thinking about faithfulness, and I ended up with vampires? How did that happen? Distracted. Then I started thinking, I said, wow, the faithfulness that God desires from us is one that remains unwavering, that stays focused. It's a faithfulness that does not get distracted. You see, people with the best intentions in the world, they desire to remain faithful, but then they get distracted. Wandering eyes, wandering lives or thoughts, and then they fall into sin and temptation. Temptation, and they fall into sin, and somehow they become unfaithful. Again, what? Then I went back and I said, well, what does biblical faithfulness look like? Some of us have a hard time with this question. Some of us have a hard time with the concept of faithfulness. Because the people that were entrusted to our care, the people that, uh, that, that, that were entrusted to love us, to provide safety for us, to protect us, the people who looked straight into our eyes and promised us things, who looked into our eyes and says, I'm going to love you, I'm going to protect you, you are safe with me, I love you so much, became unfaithful. Or they use our faithfulness to their advantage. And they cause hurt, they cause scars, and they cause a distrust in anyone else in the future that promises to love us, that promises to be faithful to us, to remain faithful to us. You see, it's hard. It's hard to use human examples, right, of faithfulness. Because we've been hurt so many times. We've been there and done that. It's hard. What is faithfulness? It's never been, uh, that example's never been provided to me. Javier, I don't get it. It's hard to trust people's promises of faithfulness. It's hard to trust people, generally. It's hard to trust people. So what does biblical faithfulness look like? Well, who better to model faithfulness than not people, not prophets, not anybody else, not anybody in your life, not anybody in your journey, in your life journey, but 
Who better to, to, to model faithfulness after than God himself? So let's take a look. And uh, what Gabriel just read for us a few moments ago is part of a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul to one of his disciples, to his disciple Timothy. And Paul is in prison. This is his second time in prison when he wrote this. And he was close to his last days. And I, I think he knew it. I mean, Paul, the way Paul wrote, he, he was always being persecuted. He was always being threatened by death. He was in prison, shipwrecked, all these things, shipwrecked, stoned, and he survived. So he was always in, you know, knowing that death was right around the corner. So I love that because he preached and spoke and wrote with a sense of urgency. Like, if these are my last words, this is what I want you to get. So he starts writing to, to Timothy. And he goes, he starts talking to him in this chapter about, if you go back, you start reading, and he starts talking about a good soldier analogy. And then he starts talking about a good athlete analogy. And then a good farmer analogy. He's getting all these analogies to make one point, to say, this is how you are to bear fruit. This is how you are to be faithful to God in your calling, in your life, to shine your light. This is how, and then he's just like, here's, you know what, all these analogies, here is, here's a trustworthy saying. To help to help Timothy a little further. And then across the street at the Bell House with the students, I always say, look, if there's one thing that you can remember, I whittle it down to one sentence or one phrase. If there's anything that you get from today, right, guys? It is this. Remember this phrase or remember this sentence. And our attention spans weren't as short as they are these days, so Timothy gives him a few sentences. So he says, here's a trustworthy saying. If you didn't get the other analogies that I gave you, here's a trustworthy saying. In order to remain Faithful, in order to remain unwavering, to stay focused and not get distracted, Timothy. So Paul goes and he points to God's faithfulness. And so 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 13, he starts off and he says, if we died with him, that's conversion, that is baptism, okay? If we died with him, we will also live with him. And, and, and so that is a reciprocal a reciprocal and conditional promise. Reciprocal meaning, like, you guys are smart enough, right? Done in return, okay? Reciprocal and conditional. So it's a promise. It's, it's a pro if, then, okay? If you do this, that, that, or this will happen. Reciprocal and conditional statement. Somebody, can you guys say reciprocal with me? Reciprocal. Okay, I said it right. So, and then he says, if we endure, in other words, if we remain, if we focus, we don't give up, if we remain in him, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Another reciprocal and conditional statement. Okay, we got it. If we disown him, Paul says, that's apostasy. That is just complete rejection of God. No, I don't want you. I, I do not choose you, okay? If we disown him, he will also disown us. Another reciprocal and conditional statement. And then he blows our mind. He says, if we are faithless, in other words, if we are unfaithful, if we are faithless, no reciprocal statement here, right? No conditional. He says he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. What? That's a big deal. That is huge mungus. I made that up. That's okay. Not, not a reciprocal promise, just a promise. The promise of God's faithfulness to us, regardless. Now, that's the truth, but, but what does it look like? What does it look like? In action. So here's what it looks like. We're going to go all the way back to the fifth book in the Bible, to Deuteronomy, to one of God's earliest promises to his people. 
Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. People that don't disown him, right? This is a promise of his faithfulness to people who do not reject him, to people who choose him. So what happened from the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Bible, all the way to even now? Well, let's go, uh, well, here's what happened is God's people, the Israelites, they became unfaithful to God time after time after time. By serving other gods, that's idolatry. By uh, continued sinfulness to partaking in human sacrifices to um, materialism, secularism, all this sinfulness, you name it. And because God always viewed his people as his bride, as his wife, as an analogy, okay? God viewed these things as spiritual adultery. And he's basically saying, look, you, you broke the very first commandment. I gave you ten commandments. I gave Moses ten, and you broke the very first one. You guys know it? You shall have no other gods before me. You already, you done messed up. And so 750 years before Jesus is born, okay, so towards, kind of towards the end of the Old Testament, before Jesus is born, all the way in the book of Hosea, God tells one of his prophets, he tells Hosea, a prophet and a preacher, to marry a promiscuous, promiscuous woman. This is, this is what faithfulness looked like, okay? He, he tells him, go, Hosea, you are my prophet, you are my guy. I want you to go, and I want you to marry a prostitute. Go and marry a prostitute. So he marries a woman, and her name is Gomer. G-O-M-E-R. Don't forget it. They have three children. And then she continues with her life of promiscuity, of sexual promiscuity. And then she leaves her husband. She leaves Hosea. And she returns to her former life of prostitution despite Hosea's plea, despite Hosea like providing everything and, and trying to keep her from falling into, into that, into, into that distraction, that temptation, that life of sinfulness. And then God tells Hosea, he tells him, go, show love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is in adulteries. Go. Show love to your wife again. Now, Hosea's got to go, and he's got to find Gomer. He's got to find his wife, who was with another man, and he's got to go love her again. Imagine, imagine the embarrassment. Because back in those days, you sneeze and somebody knew that you were sick, right? People knew your business. Imagine that. And he's a pretty well-known prophet. Imagine the embarrassment. Where are you going, go, uh, uh, Hosea? I'm going to go find my wife. Dude, don't you know how many men? Don't you know where, like, nobody knows where she is. She could be bouncing around from house to house, from place to place. Imagine the places that, that Hosea has to go to walk into or to walk through to find her. Imagine the dark alleys. Imagine those buildings or those houses or those places where people are exchanging money for sexual promiscuity and then some. Imagine. Just imagine that. He's got to go and find Gomer. He's got to find his wife. 
And then he finds her. And if you don't know what he does, well, this, you don't know in the book of Hosea, man, it's, it's, it's amazing. He finds her. You know what he does? He buys her back. He buys her, buys her back. I can just imagine that. Like, there she is. I want my wife. There she is. She's right there. Which one? That one. The one with, with that man? Yes. I want her. I want her. Well, if you want her, you got to pay. That's, that's what, fine, I'll pay. What's the price? Just imagine that. He's buying back someone who is already his. Someone who has, in other words, has already pledged to be his, and he's, been, he's pledged to be hers. Someone who pledged to be faithful, faithful, but surely wasn't, and everybody knew. Imagine that exchange. <laughs> Okay, you, you want this? Because I'm pretty sure she wasn't, she was probably just an object at that time, right? You want this? You want her? Fine, I'm done anyway. This is the price. What a sucker. Buying back what's already his. Oh my goodness, I just made money off of this? You gotta be kidding me. Taking back this thing, this damaged thing, this worthless person, this person that is used up? And imagine Gomer. Imagine his wife. I'm not worthy. I'm so sorry. I've sinned against you. I've failed you so many times, Hosea. I don't deserve this. No, like, let me be. Let me die here. You're too good. You're a man of God. No, just forget it. But Hosea tells her, I love this. He says, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same toward you. In other words, Gomer, I, I want you back. I want you back. I want your faithfulness. I want you back. I want your faithfulness. I will be faithful to you, just like I've proved it to you, even though you weren't. But, but, but Jose, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm just the thing. You are my Gomer. G-O-M-E-R. Don't forget it. Because I have not forgotten about you. I will never forget you. And this entire true story mirrors our story. It mirrors our story. If we are faithless, when we are faithless, all those times that we are faithless, he has remained faithful. He will remain faithful. God bought you back. God bought you back. God sent his son Jesus to buy back what was already his. He doesn't care if he's mocked. He doesn't care if he's made fun of. And he was mocked, wasn't he? He was, he was mocked and made fun of. And Jesus will continue to pursue you even when you're unfaithful time after time after time after time. He'll do it again and again and again. He will seek you out even when you're distracted and you fall into temptation, you fall into sin and you're done messed up again and you are unfaithful to him. Regardless of the places that he has to go to find you, regardless of the alleys he has to walk through, regardless of how dirty he's going to get searching for you, regardless of the price, and if he has to pay again, regardless of what you've done in your life, you are my Javier, J-A-V-I-E-R. Don't forget it. I have not forgotten about you. I will never forget about you. You are, you are M-I-K-E. You are R-O-S-E-L-L-E. 
You are J-O-H-N. You are T-A-N-N-E-R. You are C-H-U-C-K. Don't forget it, because I have not forgotten about you. I can't do everyone in here, because that's just a lot of people. So do, you can just do that yourself. God's, God's people from the very beginning have, have gotten distracted after they pledged faithfulness to God. The Israelites, God's people in the book of Hosea, they were identifying God with another God, a false God, Baal, B-A-A-L, okay? And, and this, this, the studies have shown that this may have started innocently. In other words, like, they kind of just got distracted. They were confused. It was like an innocent thing, but because Baal... Just, it just meant master. They didn't know. So they fell into this, this distraction. They fell into this temptation. And then all of a sudden, they're worshiping another god. They are, they're taking on. They're looking at these shiny objects and, and partaking in human sacrifice. Like, how did, how did that happen? How did that happen? How did we go from faithfulness to this? They were distracted by the nice and shiny objects that a foreign land provided. Your distracted unfaithfulness can never detract his faithfulness. You didn't do something to earn his faithfulness. No, 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 no. You did not earn or do anything for him to die for you. You didn't. So you can't, there's nothing you can do for him to not be faithful to you. So don't ever think that you can change God's character. He is faithful. For he cannot disown himself. That is, he is true to who he is. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us, clean us from all unrighteousness. You see, God's faithfulness is never distracted. It can't be. You are the apple of his eye. You are way too important for him. You are way too valuable for him. You are worth so much more than you can ever realize, imagine, that you can ever believe or you can ever accept. No matter what you look at in the mirror, you are always valuable to him. So yeah, maybe people have let you down in the past or recently. Maybe it was a husband or a lover or a friend or a father or a parent. Somebody let you down. Somebody broke your heart. They were unfaithful in some, somehow, some way. So faithfulness is, is a foreign concept. But we need to trust that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. That is the faithfulness, his faithfulness. That is the faithfulness that we must accept. Forget about all these other people that had good intentions and got distracted and, and broke your, your heart, causing you scars and all and everything else. Forget about them. It's God's faithfulness. He is always faithful. That is the fruit that we should bear. And that, that is a really long answer to the question, what does biblical faithfulness look like? And if that's not enough of an example for you, well, there's plenty more. Think about the prodigal son. For those of you that know the story, he told his dad, I don't want you anymore. Your, your death is worth more to me than you alive. Give me my share of my money. I want to go and, and have fun and spend it. He goes off, does, spends all his money, and then he's eating with pigs. He's like, man, I had it so good back home. And he says, he comes to his senses. That's one of my, like, that little phrase, he comes to his senses. And he says, I got to go back home. I had it real good. But man, 
He starts having that Gomer mentality. I'm not worthy. And I, I, I messed up. I've, I backslided, right? Backslided. I've, I've been unfaithful to God. And so he decides to go back home, and he's practicing his speech, and he's walking back home, a long journey back, and he's practicing his speech. Father, I, I messed up, God. Father, Dad, I, I'm so sorry. No. How, in what tone should I say it? What should my face look like? Because I, I really, I want him to get the message. And all of a sudden, his, he sees that his dad has been waiting for him the whole time. Looking out, and he sees the son walking from a distance, and he runs out to him. Doesn't wait. He doesn't wait like, like our parents did. Oh, you're crossed, arms crossed. What do you got to say now? <laughs> so I want you to sit in that chair, because I've been sitting in this chair all night. It is 1 o'clock in the morning. I want to hear the story, and I want it now. And give me the car keys when you're done. He runs out. Look at that, that picture of faithfulness. And he runs out. And the son is probably like, oh, man, he's, is he going to hit me? Is he going to? And then he sees that he's getting a little closer. And he probably has a smile around his face. And his dad is desperate to go run to him. And as he approaches him, the son is probably like, and the dad just says, just embraces him. And then his son starts saying, Father, I've sinned again. He's got, he's got that speech down packed. He's got it from memory. He doesn't need an iPad. He doesn't need a piece of paper. He just says, I've been unfaithful. I, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm so sorry. And his dad's just like, hey, we're going to have a party. Doesn't even, he just, it's just like saying, just, can you stop for a second? We need to celebrate the fact that you are here. So if the Gomer picture doesn't, uh, story doesn't paint a good picture of God's faithfulness. Maybe this does. And there's plenty more stories like that in the Bible. That's what biblical faithfulness looks like. So now that you know what it looks like, now that you can see it, now you can live that fruitful life he so desires you to live. You can now bear the fruit that he designed you to bear and glorify God. In other words, let your faithfulness be reciprocal. There's that word again reciprocate God's faithfulness to you. Reciprocate that back to him. And you'll be bearing fruit. I'm out of breath. The world, the world is full of distractions. It's so easy in this world to go from faithfulness, from saying, yes, God, I love you, to go from faithfulness to vampires. So easy to go from faithfulness to life-sucking sin. To go from faithfulness to, to, to just the enemy seeking you out and devouring you and having you in his grips. To go from faithfulness to unfaithfulness. But remember God's faithfulness to you. Remember. F-A-I-T-H-F-U-L-N-E-S-S. -S. Don't forget. God bless you.